0: Hello. How are you? Fen here. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Tara Vega. She is one of those people that immediately felt like a kindred spirit to me. In many ways, it seems like we're on similar paths. She's an empath, a storyteller. She's currently in the renowned Stark Film Production MFA program at USC. And she's a hardcore woo seeker. The first time we spoke, which was not that long ago, she mentioned she has seen about 15 psychics, and I was like, oh shit, this is my kind of human. I would love to tackle multiple episodes with her, but today we have the awesome opportunity to dive into her most powerful past life regression experience. We're also going to compare her past life regression experience with mine, see where there may be some overlaps, and just discuss some of the lessons that we learned from these experiences. If you've had a past life regression, then you know this shit is weird. And if you haven't, then maybe after this episode, you'll want to have one done. I certainly would like to participate in another one. Preferably with the woman that Tara went to because, wow, her experience was incredible. So here we go. Hi, Tara. Hi. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: Of of course. I'm super excited. So I usually like to start with your interest level in the woo and your general background, like what kind of woo things have you gotten yourself into?
1: <laughs> I would say I have a pretty high interest in the woo. I'll pretty much explore anything. Like, started out with tarot and astrology, then kind of branched into psychics. I've seen like a ton of psychics and gotten a lot of tarot readings. I did tea leaves one time, like tea leaf reading. I've done palm readings. I would say like pretty much the only thing that I haven't done is like any kind of medium. Like I've never spoken to anyone dead. Like that's been something I haven't, but really anything else, reincarnation, past life regression, which we're going to talk about today. But yeah, all of, all of it, I'm always down to, (laughs) to try a new thing.
0: You have been interested in this stuff since how far back?
1: I was probably like six or seven years old Um, and I had this dream and in the dream I was watching somebody else's life play out and I knew the person was me and like I'm black but the person that I was dreaming about was like Russian for some reason and was running away from this woman she was like a ballerina and running away from this like headmistress type person and I was like oh my god that's me that's definitely me it was just this weird knowing and I asked my parents about it and they were like oh yeah reincarnation past lives and they're not really into that but they kind of you know at least gave me the language for for what it was and that kind of kicked everything off
0: and that's when you said you were six or seven years old yeah I had a similar experience when I was maybe around that age maybe a little bit younger I had this uh, the same kind of thing where I brought it up to my mom like hey mom remember when I had this?" Really big toy box with moons and suns on it. And I had these old people that were my parents. And she was like, No, (laughs) (laughs) no, I was just like a hard no. And then, you know, my mom was super woo woo. And so I was lucky I also got the language to deal with that. But it was like from that moment, you know, very early on, I knew, okay, this is, I'm going to be a weirdo. I'm going to be one of those people who's (laughs) like always dabbling in this stuff. And I remember her asking my grandma and like multiple people in my family and they didn't know, did, did that happen to you where like they, or did your parents just say, nope, that was a past life. And they really validated that for you.
1: They, I mean, my mom was a little bit more validating than my father. Like, I think my father just finds all of this to be quite ridiculous to be, to be honest with you, like he will play along, but it's definitely not his thing. But with my mom, she was just like, yeah, this is what it is. You can believe in that. That's cool. Like, I don't believe in it, but you know, you can go ahead and do your thing. So I felt like they validated me and they didn't really make me feel weird about it. It was just kind of like, oh, that's Tara's thing. I knew yeah. it wasn't going to be shared amongst the family, but it was like, oh, this is the thing you like and that you're into
0: not our thing. This is too. Like, <laughs> you have siblings. Uh, no. I forget. Is it two brothers? Three brothers. Three brothers. And did they have any memories of it or did they make fun of you for this or do they even remember it?
1: So I'm considerably older than my siblings. So actually two of them probably weren't born. And then one would have been like one or two at the time. He definitely was not <laughs> at any place to like remember or have any opinion on it. But as I got older, it still was just kind of like, oh, Tara's into this stuff. She reads (laughs) tarot. She's doing astrology, but none of them, I don't think any of them were ever super into it, but they never made fun of me. And it was also so much older than like, they weren't going to make fun of me. They're probably a little scared of me, but they, they never did anything, never said anything mean about it.
0: That's really nice because a lot of times when I talk to people about the woo, they tell me that their experience with their parents is, is judgmental.
1: And they've always just kind of been like that. Like actually every year for Christmas, my mom buys me this astrology calendar. This year, she also bought me a, a tarot calendar as well. And so like they'll encourage it. But I think my mother's a little scared of it. Like I think she believes, but I think it's just like, oh, this is too much for me. So I'm just going to like put it over here <laughs> in yeah. like a little box. But she's, she's definitely been encouraging.
0: I think a lot of the people that I talk to are kind of like, Oh, I want to dip my toes in, but I'm also really scared of what I might find, what I might discover in a past life regression or a meditation or what, you know, whatever it may be. It's so outside of the ordinary everyday reality that it can be a little, it can be frightening. So I totally understand that, especially when it comes to paranormal shit.
1: Yeah, ghosts and stuff. So that's the thing. My parents actually were believers in ghosts. Before they had us, they said that there was a baby that would always cry in their house. And they were like, no one in the entire street had a child. It's this phantom ghost baby. That <laughs> so, is weird. I think they're believers, but I think it's more like a little bit of that fear element that kind of keeps them out of certain aspects of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty common. Are you an X-Files fan? I've actually never seen X-Files. That is
1: like... You have <laughs> not? What is, I know.
0: What is wrong with you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, you know the two, Scully yeah, and Mulder. Scully and Mulder. Yeah. Mulder is generally the one who's obsessed with the woo, and he believes everything. He doesn't have a problem believing anything. And Scully is the voice of reason and rationale. I identify as a Mulder, although I like Scully better for the record listener. <laughs> but I definitely identify with the archetype of Mulder. Would you agree? Yeah, I would 100%
1: agree. I'm like willing to believe in like almost anything. Like <laughs> I feel like I might need a little bit more of that Scully factor, so I don't get yes. hoodwinked. But I am, I am a believer.
0: <laughs> we did briefly talk about doing like an on-site episode someday, which would be so cool. If we did, we'd have to bring a Scully with us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just I know quite safe. a few of them, okay, good. Be <laughs> too. We'll be all right. Yeah, we'll be all right. Besides past life regressions, what other like woo-woo activities have you been getting into lately? or you mentioned Tarot. you mentioned psychics. What other things have you dabbled in?
1: Yeah, so I've gotten super into human design lately, which I feel like is a new thing that is hitting people's radar. Um, actually the friend of mine who introduced me to the person who did my regression was the one who taught me about human design. So I've really been digging into that. I've been trying to start doing my own tarot readings. Like in the past, I was just got readings, but now I feel like I have been getting read long enough that I should be able to start reading other people. So kind of diving into some classes on that. It's kind of been like the main two things that I guess I've been focusing on and a little bit of astrology. I feel like astrology is always in the background for me and I like dip in and out of it. I'm always like comparing charts with friends on CoStar and all those other astro apps that are out there.
0: The pattern. Have you heard of that
1: one? Yes, I have the pattern. My God, (laughs) The pattern is like wizardry. The pattern is kind of creepy. Yeah. It feels like it knows too much.
0: Oh yeah. Human design. I'm a generator.
1: That- okay, yeah, I'm a generator. I'm a generator. As well.
0: Are you a generator? I don't know what that fucking means, <laughs> but we'll have to,
1: I really want to do an episode on human design. No, it's great. It's it's hard. I feel like to find a lot of information, Not, like most of the stuff I've been finding has been like some Instagram influencers that have kind of popped up around it, but It is definitely, it feels like it's new or it feels like it's starting to get hot. (laughs) I would love if you're open to it
0: to do other episodes, you know, maybe about tarot or human design or be, you, did you say you identify as an empath?
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. No, I'd love to come on for, for future episodes and not like very few of my friends are into this kind of stuff. (laughs) So I don't really get a chance to talk about it too much.
0: Same. I mean, in L.A., there are a lot of woo-woo people, but sometimes they're hard to reach, if you know what I mean. Like, sometimes they can be a little too ungrounded for me to have, like, a consistent conversation with them.
1: No, that totally makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you're like, what are we talking about now? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) what you're saying. So, um, reincarnation. I've had two much shorter past life regressions. I wanna share our experiences, but I wanna focus on yours first. Mm -hmm. Your earliest uh, reincarnation memory was when you were like six or seven years old. Right. And have you had any others besides that one?
1: Nothing that really stands out to me up until the, the regression. Like, I feel like that was just kind of the one anchor memory and you know there'd be like weird deja vu moments and stuff like that but like nothing that like came through as like clearly as that. I
0: I don't know if you've seen this or not but there were a bunch of news segments over the past like I don't know. I want to say 15 years. I'm just pulling that out of my ass, but <laughs> about like kids who remember something and then they actually got to go back and find what they were saying and and it was historically accurate. Oh, wow. And it's really, there's so much anecdotal evidence for past lives. It's unbelievable. It's one of, it's like aliens, you know, (laughs) there's so many people that have said they have seen aliens. We're talking like it's gotten to the millions and it's so weird, right? Because we so much devalue anecdotal evidence, but hello. I
1: mean, it can't, can't be nothing. Right. No, I feel like especially with kids, like I have friends who have young children and the kids will sometimes just say these things and you're like, "This they didn't hear that anywhere. Like that's not something that they would have heard about in school or seen anywhere. Like it has to come from somewhere. So it just feels very, very real to me. Kids can say the creepiest things,
0: like all of a sudden, and you're just like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> am I alone here with you? <laughs> It's like the day of my death. I don't know. It's very, it can be very unsettling. I think they are a little, I always say, I think they're a little closer to what is beyond being human. I think they're closer to it.
1: I 100% agree with that. I think they're also probably way more receptive to it than we are.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They haven't been numbed by like the monotony of capitalism and, 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 and. Okay. We should probably, for the listeners that don't know, talk about what past life regressions are and what reincarnation is just in case. I feel like most people who are going to listen to this podcast will already know what this is, but just in case, how would you define reincarnation?
1: I guess I would say it's, you know, souls being rebirthed in different bodies and circumstances over like eons, I guess.
0: That's pretty basic and and very simple to understand. Um, the official definition is reincarnation is the philosophical or religious belief that the non-physical essence of a living being starts a new life in a different physical form or body after biological death. It's also called rebirth or transmigration. Then past life regression. How would you define that based off of your experience?
1: yeah, I would say it's kind of re like living or at least going back into past experiences that you've been through, like unearthing them, I guess. Probably okay. maybe a better way of of saying that. um, kind of bringing them into your consciousness.
0: The official definition of past life regression, it is a method that uses hypnosis to recover what practitioners believe are memories of past lives or incarnations. And I just will add it here for the skullies out there. Uh, The practice is widely considered discredited and unscientific by medical practitioners and experts. I mean, when you look it up, that is like right there. (laughs) They want to get that right out of the way. I'm not surprised. There are two camps of past life regressionists. The first are those who feel that it should be a firsthand remembering through hypnosis or hypnotherapy. And then the second camp are those who think it should be done through a medium. For the listeners, that'd be like, you go to somebody, you pay them some dollars, uh, probably, most likely, and they go into their medium state and they pick that up for you and they give it back to you. Almost like a shamanic journey a little bit. The other way, which is the hypnosis way, is that you're put in a state and you're remembering yourself. Through hypnosis. Which was your experience?
1: So, mine was me reliving it through my hypnosis. Um, but oddly enough, I thought that everybody did it the second way, where like a medium just tells you things. You did. Yeah.
0: I also thought that
1: as well. And I didn't even understand that there was a hypnosis element. Yeah, I me mean neither. I had no idea. Like, when I went, I really did not do any re- research, I just went. So. <laughs>
0: Actually, my first one, which I'll share later, was the second way, which was basically her just telling me. And then the second way, which I found was much more powerful and much more emotional, was when I remembered myself. Let's start with like setting the scene. You went to India. How did you get there? Why did you go? Who got you there?
1: Yeah. So actually I was in India for work. Um, It had nothing to do with anything. Woo. It was nothing spiritual. I was doing an event with the Manchester United soccer club. I used to be an event producer before I moved into film and they were doing this big activation in Bangalore and it was just going to be an event, a huge event outside at this mall. And I had was not thinking about regression, anything spiritual there. I was like, okay, I have to take this 20 hour flight have to do this event, and then I have to go home. But I had been in Scotland, I think it was, with a friend and she was like oh you're going to Bangalore she's like I know someone in Bangalore she does past life regressions you should look her up like I'll connect you to on Facebook and I was like okay I think I have a free day so why don't I message her and see if I can meet up with her I really had no idea what to expect I had always wanted to get a past life regression done but I didn't know anyone in the states it just was something I never explored so when she said she had a friend and I'd known her like she and I are very close so I was like okay I trust that this person you're going to send me to is legitimate. Let's like, go ahead and do it. So we talked on Facebook and she normally didn't take appointments on my free day, but she agreed since I was friends with uh, Kim, our mutual friend. She was like, yeah, like I'll take you on Monday. Let's meet in the morning.
0: It feels like to me as a molder, you were meant to be there.
1: No, I a hundred percent agree. It was very serendipitous of um, all of it that, that happened. Cause I actually almost missed the appointment and she still saw me. So that was, that was also great, but yeah, I had no, I hadn't researched anything, nothing. It was very much like spur of the moment when things just fell into place. You
0: said you almost missed the appointment. What
1: happened? So the, previous day was the close of our event, which had been like a really hard, rough event. And we were just all drinking. I think I was out, like, I'm so wasted. Like I got drunk, it's like three o'clock in the morning. And then I was like, oh, I have to go for this thing. And I had arranged a car to come and pick me up. I think at like seven, because it was gonna be a two hour ride from where I was to get to where she lived because it was at her house. And I woke up and it was 8.30. <laughs> and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> this is not gonna happen. Oh my God, how could you have like gotten so drunk that you missed this thing? I was so upset with myself, but I messaged her because I think our appointment was at nine. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting there by nine because it's a two-hour ride. Is there any way that I can come later? Actually, I think, I don't even think I asked that. I think I just assumed she wasn't going to see me. And I was like, so sorry that I missed this. But she's like, well, actually, because it's my free day and I don't see anyone, I don't have any appointments. So just get ready, get yourself situated and take the drive over here and I'll see you when you get here.
0: Wow. And so you almost missed it, but she's still... (laughs) She still was like, nah, you can come whenever you want.
1: Exactly. I was so grateful to her for that. I told her that afterwards. I was, yeah, she did not have to see me, but she did.
0: What compelled you to go? You're, you have a genuine interest in the woo. Was it just that? Or what was it that was like, oh, I really got to do this?
1: A lot of it was the interest. It also was like, Oh my God, I'm going to do this in India. Like that felt very exciting to me instead of at the time I lived in the Bay area, like, Oh, I'm just going to go down to San Francisco or go over to Oakland and get one of these. It was like, Oh, I'll be in this different place, this different space. And also was my friend. I really do trust her. And I mean, we could have a whole podcast on my experiences with her as well, but she's very much into the woo stuff, very witchy. And I figured anyone that she was recommending highly as someone that she saw herself was probably going to be really good. And I know she had said she had had a couple of sessions with her and it just seemed like to line up quite nicely that it was like, I was in Bangalore and she was also in Bangalore. Like she could have been in another city in India, but we were both going to be in the same space. So it felt like something I had to do.
0: I'm going to this lady. How how old is she?
1: Is she still alive? so she's super young like is she she's yeah I was very surprised again I also knew nothing about her and (laughs) I think until I saw her Facebook profile I assumed that she was going to be like 65 I thought that this was going to be like someone my mother's age or even like a grandmother but I think she and I were only a few years apart so like I'm in my mid-30s so she's either in her mid to late 30s or like just 40 um so yeah she's not, not an old woman at all. She's definitely still around. (laughs) It almost felt like I was just talking to a friend. Like there wasn't that, you know, I think it's really easy sometimes to put up walls (laughs) with people, especially for me, like with someone older than me, I might feel, oh, like maybe I shouldn't talk about sex or maybe I shouldn't talk about drugs or maybe I shouldn't talk, you know, like you kind of start to police Your language and your thoughts and what you want to tell them. And with her, I felt like there wasn't that barrier at all. And I think the age definitely helped clear that for me. And also when we were speaking, like before things started, she told me that her mother also does these regressions. And so it's sort of something that's been passed down her line. And so I felt like I understood that, like that, you know, mothers giving gifts to their daughters. So I didn't doubt her at all.
0: What did you imagine it would be like before you got there? Did you have something in your mind?
1: Honestly, I felt so caught off guard by everything that happened. Because when I say like I did no research, I didn't look at anything, which is really weird. I'm very like Virgo, analytical, love looking stuff up. None of that. I just was literally like, oh, I'm going to this woman's house. I also don't know this woman from anyone. I'm going to her home (laughs) in a city that I've never been in and a city where like our company kind of had, they were very into making sure we were secure there, even though I always felt safe. But, you know, I had to have a driver to take me there. It was all very like regimented. And it's wild to me that I just, I didn't think to do any kind of research. So I thought it was going to be like what you had mentioned before, where a medium just tells you something. And I think that was also why I didn't really prepare myself Mm -hmm. because it was just like, well, there's nothing to prepare. I'm just going to go there. She's going to sit down and like light some candles and tell me a thing. And then we're going to call it a day. Like I honestly thought that was what
0: it was going to be. I think that's what most people think past life regressions are. Yeah. How much did this cost? And how long
1: did it take so it was I believe it was a three-hour experience and it was 45 us dollars which what? gave me a tremendous amount of guilt <laughs> like I was like this I mean I felt like I was stealing something from her because in America I feel like you can't even see a psychic for 45 I mean maybe for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes but I just feel like all of these experiences in the States are like $500, $750. Psychics are out here and mediums and people are charging lots and lots of money. So it felt very weird to pay such a small amount for it. Like I think I actually ended up giving her two or three times whatever the the rate was because I felt so bad. And even that was nowhere near what I would have paid for it in the US. And I know in India, the monetary exchange is like different and their relationship to money is different maybe than we are that we have in America, but I felt very like three hours is a long time <laughs> for, for, for you know, $45. Like that felt, it felt not enough to me. And especially given the experience that I had, maybe I would have felt differently had it not been so powerful, but I, I definitely felt like she should be ch- charging. more.
0: Money. Have you gone to a past life regression since this one?
1: I haven't. It's almost like, you know, that thing where you have this really transformative experience and then you like want to go back and repeat it and you're like, it's probably not going to be as good. That was sort of how I felt about it. And I was mm-hmm. living in Singapore at the beginning of this year, at the end of last. And I thought about seeing her again in India since it's not that far to get from Singapore to India. But with everything that happened with COVID, it just like never ended up happening. But I don't know if I would go and see somebody else like it just feels like would it be as as good as it was that time
0: what were you feeling when you got there were you
1: scared were you nervous I was definitely thrown off one I'm a person who does not like to be late who does not like like, I felt like already like oh my god this woman is gonna think that I'm just the biggest asshole. Because, like, I'm this dumb American, who, you know, is taking time on her like day off, I can't even show up on time. So I think I had so much of that energy that I was bringing in as well, just really feeling like, oh, God, like, I already fucked this up. <laughs> and yeah. now, like, here I am, it was almost like I couldn't be nervous about what was going to happen, because I'm so disappointed in myself, for kind of doing things this way. And also, like, traffic the whole time I'm sitting in the car like, oh my God, are we going to get there? Are we going to get there? And it was her personal home. So we had to go through all these gates to get in. So that was really the energy I came in with. There was no nerves. It was just more me like beating myself up (laughs) for not being responsible.
0: Well, how would you describe this woman? What does she look like? What does she feel like? Does
1: she have a calm demeanor or... It was just like hanging out with a girlfriend. (laughs) Like she was very warm and welcoming, but like in a friend way, not in like a motherly kind of way, but just sort of like, oh, we're going to spend time together. Like, hey, you're here. I didn't feel uncomfortable with her at all. I felt like she was able to really draw me in, in a way. And I mean, I am a person that is generally very open to other people's energy, but she was just very fun and she had some humor to her like it was it really did feel like I was hanging out with a friend and being in her house I think also added that element as well like it wasn't like we were in a studio or at a shop like this was the place where she sleeps and eats and like so it felt very much like you know you're just going to somebody's house like kick it for the afternoon
0: it didn't feel like so ethereal or otherworldly it was just kind of like hey here we are we're gonna do this thing
1: Yeah, it felt like I think sometimes with some of the psychic experiences, and I think this is also why other people are put off by them, there's this like pageantry Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, I have to have like a crystal ball or oh, there has to be like dark sheets everywhere. Like there was none of that. Like it was very, very real and so I felt like of course like we're just gonna sit here and we're gonna do this thing and I didn't feel like she was putting on a show for me because I think when I see things like that I automatically doubt the authenticity of it in my opinion like if your power is real and you can really do this thing you don't have to dress it up in any kind of way yeah well so I felt said. like she was she was just her it was just very authentic So then what happened? We sat down and she was just like, okay, so I want you to tell me your life story. And I was like, what? Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like when somebody, if somebody were to sit down and ask you, what is your life story? What would you say? I would be
0: overwhelmed by that question because I'd be like, how do I even begin what What do you want right.
1: all the details what do we even focus on so it was very much like she just kind of laid that out and I mean I'm a talker obviously we've been talking and you've spoken to me before so I I knew I could fill time but I just started from the beginning I literally started from birth I talked a little bit about my family I talked about high school I talked about college I went through all of it like leading up until um, the time that we were in and I tried to I don't know add. Details like I talked about certain people who were important in my life, certain themes that have kind of come up in my life. But I really just tried to, I don't know, maybe it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes of this is me. I can't remember how old I was. I was maybe like 32. So I think I talked from like zero to 32 and then just ended it. And then she asked me this question and it totally threw me off guard. She was like, What are you here to heal? And I was like, Heal. I think I actually said this. I was like, I didn't know we were healing. <laughs> I didn't walk in being like I need to get through this trauma I literally just came there with a very open mind and no expectations of anything so when she asked me that I was thrown and I had to like think I was like oh shit I would mean, clearly there's a lot of stuff wrong with me like there's definitely things I need to know <laughs> but I, I wasn't sure like where to go so I told her that I've had intimacy issues like I find it hard to connect with partners I've never been in love I've had friendship love but like not romance love and I think that like the intimacy block is like a real thing for me and I had no idea idea how she was going to use that or how it was going to come up she really just kind of like you know she received it but she didn't delve any further
0: what's the next question did
1: she ask you anything else so she didn't ask anything but then she explained what was going to happen which i was like great like clearly i don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) i feel like she probably was sitting there like you didn't even ask your friend and i didn't i never asked my friend at all what her experience was about it. So it was like completely, I went in completely blind. She was like, okay, so I'm going to hypnotize you. And she kind of talked a little bit about hypnosis and what it was. And she also said that a lot of times, like the people who are the most resistant or who think like they can't be hypnotized, are the easiest people to hypnotize. She was telling me not to worry about it, that we were going to go to another room that I was going to lay down and she does Reiki. And so I think it was the rumor she does Reiki and that she was going to lead me through this thing that was going to be like hypnosis. And she checked in, you know, does that sound good with you? Are you cool with that? Any questions? And I was like, yeah, sounds great. (laughs) Again, very open, but like, I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds excellent. And then she was like, okay, like, do you want to use the bathroom before we start? Because it's going to be another two hours. So I lay down and she, you know, has me close my eyes. She might have like lit, lit, lit some incense or something. And she just sort of starts like telling me things like you're walking through a field, like s- stuff like that. I can't remember the specifics of that part of it, but... Then I remember she was like, okay, now you're walking downstairs, And you know that feeling you have when you like walk down steps? I felt that. Like, I was like, oh, I'm like going down a staircase. Okay, cool. And then she was like, you're going to reach the bottom of the stairs. And then sure enough, I felt that feeling of reaching the bottom. And she said, there's a hallway and I want you to walk up and down it. And there's going to be doors on every side of the hallway and start like taking a look around at the doors. And so I was walking and there were doors of all different types. And she was like, I want you to pick a door and stand in front of it. I remember this clearly. There was a huge black door. Like it looked like the door of a dungeon. (laughs) That's the one you (laughs) picked? No, I remember looking at that and I was like, no, I'm not ready for that. That is not a (laughs) door that I'm trying to go down here. I am in a foreign country by myself. Like I'm not going down that door. (laughs) So I kept on walking and then I found this door and it was like a Hobbit door. Like it was like rounded and red and shorter than most of the other doors. And I'm I'm like five nine. So it was like a little bit shorter than me, but I was like, okay, this door like looks a little strange. but doesn't look like I'm going to be walking into some like horrible death like the other one did. So she was like, do you have the door? And I'm like, yep, I have the door. I'm at it. And she's like, I want you to open the door. And I open it and all of a sudden sunlight is like blazing out of the other side of this door. And she's like, yeah, walk through it. And I probably should have told this a little bit better, but she had told me basically that when we were doing this and we got to this experience that I was going to be relaying everything back to her. She's like, you're just going to be telling me what you see And I'll stop and ask you questions. And then I'll tell you when it's time to jump to another part of the experience. So she's just like, yeah, just talk, like, talk to me, like, talk me through everything that you're seeing and doing. Is she
0: holding your hand or where are you sitting in relation to her in this room?
1: Honestly, I don't, she wasn't touching me. She may have been like at my head. I was lying on like a table and maybe she was standing where my head was or maybe like off to the side of me, but no, no touch, like nothing. I don't recall her touching me the entire, like maybe she did a little bit of Reiki stuff before we like really got into it. But once I was talking, it was almost like she wasn't even really in the room. Like she was just kind of like a disembodied voice in the room in a sense. Wow. And had you been hypnotized before? Not that I can think of. Like I've gone to some psychics and done some stuff, but it was never anything like this. I've done visualizations for meditations and things like that. But usually those were like, you know, recorded things, not with a person physically in the space. So I'd never, never been hypnotized. But I also didn't think that I couldn't be. Like I didn't walk in there and be like, she's not going to hypnotize me. That was not, <laughs> that's not the vibe of it at all. I'm just not that person. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Like, I always used to joke that I'd be very easily abducted because I just wouldn't even see it. I would be like, I'd walk right into the trap and they would get me and I would be gone. The cult leader would just scoop me
0: up and I'd be like, sure. Exactly.
1: I would not see the danger until I was literally in the alligator's mouth. Like that's... that's... Oh God.
0: Okay. Well, noted again that if we do any more adventures, we have to bring rational people. (laughs) Yeah. So now, were you seeing this crisply
1: and clearly? You could feel it. It was clear as day. It was like the clearest thing. It was like watching a movie, but like you're kind of in the movie. It was very immersive. And like, so obviously I couldn't see myself, but when I stepped across the threshold and the sunlight was blazing, I saw I had this like long braid, like this braid on the side of my head. And that was really all I could see of myself. I never got a mirror. Like I never saw my face. I just kind of saw, you know, you can see your arm you can see your leg, but I didn't see my, my face at all. And I was definitely, for some reason, I think I was in Bangladesh. Obviously, like, I don't know if that's where I was, but I was like somewhere in like India, South Asia. Like that was where I knew myself to be in that vision. How many doors
0: do you think there were? Or was it
1: hard to say? Maybe like 20, like 10 on each side. I didn't walk very long. I think after I saw that scary door, I was like, okay, let me just find something that feels good. And some of them just looked very normal, like the door to your bedroom. And then there was that scary one. I think like the the fact that this door was red kind of stuck out to me because I was like, I want to do something that feels a little different, but I didn't want it to be too crazy. And this seemed like, oh, okay, it's like a little red door. It's a hobbit door. It's different, but it feels... Not terrifying.
0: (laughs) So you go through this door, you're really in it now. You're in a hypnotized state, and you see a braid, and sunlight shines through this hobbit door. And then what? So
1: then I can tell that I'm with a group of children. So I I know I'm a child, and I see someone who's my brother, and I'm like, okay, this is my brother. And we're like, we got to get home, we got to get home. And (laughs) we are, you know racing home. We get home. We're clearly poor. Like we don't have any money. We live in like a hut and we go in, but our mom is there and she's just like so warm and loving. And there's just this like, we're like, Oh, this is so exciting. We feel really good. She's cooking dinner Everything feels great. And then it was like, oh, your father's coming home. And all of a sudden it was like someone had like poured cold water over me. And I was like, okay, my father is clearly a bad person. Like he is not good. This is not going to be great. And sure enough, like he comes to the door and my mother and I are standing there and he looks at us and he's like, where's your brother? And like, I don't know. I think my brother, we've been playing. And he comes out from the room and all of a sudden my father just backhands him. And he like crumbles to the floor. We're all scared. It's just like a terrifying sort of scene. We eat dinner and I'm relaying this to her as this is happening. And after dinner, he calls me to him and I'm like terrified. I couldn't tell. I don't know if there was some kind of sexual abuse or if there it was definitely physical abuse, but like it just felt like this person is unsafe and I do not like them. And he rules this house with fear and an iron fist. And I remember he said to me, like, oh, you're old now. He's like, you're like 13 or whatever. And he's like, it's time for you to be somebody else's problem. You need to be married. And I just remember being terrified. And then I ran back into the room that I shared with my brother and just like, crying. And like, basically, we're both crying because he got smacked. And i am like, been told that I'm going to be marrying someone. So I relayed that to her. And then she said what she, she was like, okay, great. Well, she didn't say great. (laughs) She was like, okay, now take me to the next significant moment. And that was sort of her cue for me to like move into another vision of that life.
0: You didn't go to another door. That was just the first opening. And then you went on a little bit of a, a ride, like a hypnosis ride.
1: Yeah. It was basically like, I was just telling this story and like flash forwarding through to like what I thought was the next major moment that meant something to me.
0: And were you emotional about experiencing this, this young girl?
1: Yeah, I wasn't crying at that point. I definitely cried for the rest of it. <laughs> but at that point, it was just like more fear. I was like, oh, my God, fear and this just not feeling entirely safe, but then also having this relationship with my mother that was clearly wonderful. And then having this brother, you know, where we would commiserate about, you know, being smacked around by our, our father. So I felt like there was love there, but then there was also this like fear underlying all of it. After that, it was the wedding. So I saw myself and I was getting married and, you know, my mother was excited, but she was preparing me. But basically I was marrying this widower and he had like three kids. And he came to me and was like, look, I won't hit you. I won't mistreat you. I'm not a bad man, but like, I will never love you. I already loved this woman, you know, the mother of my children. She died. This is just like what this is. And, you know, he was like, I honestly don't even really want to touch you, but we have to have a child or else people are going to think things are weird. You give me a child and then I'll leave you alone forever. I'll make sure you're taken care of, but you need to raise my children and be in my house. Like, that's going to be what it is. And so feeling a tremendous sense of sadness at that and also sadness about leaving my mother's home. As much as I want to get away from my father, it was like, oh, but my mom is gonna be alone with my father and my brother, and really feeling sad about that.
0: Do you stay in this narrative the entire regression?
1: Yeah. It's it was all like it was all this life, which is also something I did not expect. I thought I was gonna be going like for three hours. I thought we were gonna do like 40 lives. I really thought it was going to be a lot, but it was really intense in this one experience.
0: That's fascinating because I, both of my experiences, we did multiple lifetimes, Um, not tons, but more than one. So it sounds like it's a quality over quantity thing almost with this woman. Do you know if she always does just
1: one? I don't actually know. Because again, like I said, I never asked my friend what her experience was. I do think, though, that she does do these with multiple people. And if I recall correctly, at the end of our experience, she was like, the first one is always the longest. Mm. Like, you know, if you were to come back, it would be a little bit easier and it wouldn't be as detailed. But this first one is going to really take you some time. Maybe I also just saw a lot of things because I had like five or six significant moments it wasn't like i just saw a couple of scenes it was very much like i I saw a whole life
0: now you're about to marry this guy have you married him yet or you're at the wedding
1: you said yeah at the wedding we get married and then i jump to the next significant part of that because like really what it was was more me having that conversation with him about him not being capable of loving me but like we're gonna have this marriage knowing that he's not going to be the man my father was but he'll be unloving in a different way. Um, But, you know, I'll be taken care of and I'll have what I need. And the whole thing about having a child, like that was something we had to do. It seemed like for the community, for us not to be like shut. It was like, okay, you have to have a kid. I don't really want to have a kid with you, but like, this is the duty that we all have to provide. And then she was like, okay, what's the next significant moment? And for me, that was, I saw myself giving birth, which is like, Fucking crazy. (laughs) I've never had a baby before. But that experience, like that, I think was when the tears like really started coming.
0: (laughs) Where were you? Were you just seeing could you see your knees? Could you see your feet? Like what where were we looking?
1: I was standing and my mother was there and like a midwife, I guess, and they were holding my hands and I was giving birth. A baby was like coming out of me. I didn't really feel pain, but I was crying. So maybe I did feel pain and I just just repressing it, but it was just like, I was in it. It was that moment of me having this child in this, you know, in, in the house. I don't know if it was my house, but, you know, it was definitely a whole It was not a hospital in this. I don't think the lives that we were living, like there was any kind of hospital happening then. And I also couldn't tell, this was interesting to me. I had no idea what time it was. Like, what, like, was it the 1800s? Was it the 19? Like, not a clue. I was just
0: going to ask you that, like what time period could you tell by clothing or anything or?
1: It could have been like in the early 1900s. It was also hard because you could tell that we were poor. Everyone was like some degree of poor. Like even the person that I married, maybe he was a little bit well off than where I came from, but like there wasn't wealth. And so I think that also kind of shifted things with the timing like, I do remember a stove. We weren't cooking over like a fire pit or anything like that. So there was like some sort of like modernity, but it was all like everything felt really old. And like, I felt all of her emotions and all of the things she was feeling. And, you know, even with the pregnancy part of it or the, you know, the birth, like I felt overjoyed at that. And I think that was part of why I was crying. It was it was like, I had a daughter and it was this moment of like, oh my God, no one has loved me. And now I have this daughter that I can pour my love into who will pour her love back to me. Like it felt like, almost like it was saving my life. Like it was exactly what I had needed was like having this child. And so I was just crying the whole time, but it wasn't sadness really. It was like, oh my God, finally, something to like really live for, something that I think is gonna make my life better. It was basically, I saw her being born and like holding her. And then that's kind of where we stop. So then we're kind of taken a little bit out of that narrative. And I see my mother's death. And so I'm at her funeral and my father is there and my brother is there. And I remember thinking like, oh, my brother is a man now. Like he's on the bad side now. Like we had had such a close relationship and it was just like, no, that's not here anymore. Like my brother is like my father. He's become my father. And I had this moment of standing up for myself where I was like, I told my father, like you, cause I think in, from what I could gather, custom would be for him to come and live with me after the death of my mother like to take care of him. And exactly. That was what I said. I was like, I literally don't care what happens to you. You will never live in my home. You will never live with me. I will never take care of you. The only reason I tolerated you was because of how much I loved my mother, but you're, you know, you're going to have to stay with my brother. And I remember thinking like that my brother, I was just like, yeah, like, it's so sad that he was this boy and we had this great relationship, but then he became a man and all of a sudden, like he had that same harshness, that same sort of abusive personality that my father did. And it was like this moment of like kind of taking myself out of it and thinking about boys becoming men and when that shift happens and how you can have these really close relationships with your brothers, but then they become part of that patriarchal system when they get older and that that tie is sort of cut. And so like, for me, that memory was about cutting ties with my family. Like once my mother was no longer there.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because this was originally about you wanting to, to investigate intimacy. And she took you to these relationships that really, it feels like caused you to create walls and boundaries with other people because you had gotten hurt so much. Is there more hurt
1: to come in this narrative? Yeah, I guess the, so there's only two more memories left. And the next one that I had was my daughter's wedding. And it was an exciting time. And I remember like, I see myself dancing. Like I'm dancing at the wedding. I'm with a group of women. We're like doing this traditional dance. And I'm happy, but I'm also tremendously sad because I know that the one shining light in my life is now leaving to join Mm. another family and to go, you know, live with her husband. But I remember being happy because it was like a love match. It was someone she wanted to be with. It wasn't like the relationship that I had had with her father. It was... Her being happy and excited, but there was this like grief, you know, mingled with excitement and happiness because, you know, you're happy that your daughter has like found, you know, she's done what you always wanted for her. But there's also the sense of like, oh, but now here I am alone with this man that doesn't, you know, at this point, all the children are gone because his kids were older, they're already gone, and it's just us. And the sense of like, oh my God, <laughs> like the rest of my life is just going to be me with this man. And <laughs> really feeling the grief of that. <laughs> you had one final memory. And what was that? Actually, she stopped me at this point mm. in the story. And she then brought up the intimacy stuff. You know, she asked, started asking me questions like, how does this make you feel? And how do you feel about the relationships that you had in this life? And where's the hurt? It was almost like a therapy session, like smack is in, <laughs> in the middle of it where she really like kind of and I was crying weeping at this point during all of this like her asking me all these questions about intimacy and about love and about how I felt in that life and what it had done to me and what it it created in me and it was really 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 deep and I'm not a crier like I don't really cry in front of people but I was like on the floor tears just like everywhere I don't even know how she could understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so how long
0: was that therapy session part that was in the middle there
1: it wasn't too long it was maybe like 10 or 15 minutes it was like she just asked a lot of questions and really probed everything that I had told her up until that point because she had been pretty passive up until then
0: And then after that, she took you into another session and you had your final, like, what what was this more, was this like the cathartic memory or was it really just wrapping up that, that lifetime?
1: It was really wrapping up that lifetime. Like she actually told me, she was like, now I want you to go to your death. Mm. Um, And so I saw myself in bed, like old, frail. My daughter was there holding my hand and, you know, just kind of talking to me and, me being like okay I'm ready to go and then like the end <laughs> I mean um, it was like kind of done I just felt like okay it's almost like the end of a really good movie where you're like wow like it felt like really powerful mm. and it was still sitting with you but you were like complete with the experience um, and I think because it had been so different from what I had thought it was going to be that I was also still sitting in that like it was way more powerful than I could have ever imagined
0: How do you wrap something like that up though? I mean, with the movie, you like talk it over with your friend and or something. I mean, how did you,
1: what did you do then? Honestly, I can't remember how she ended it. I I think she like undid the hypnosis or like kind of brought me out of the hypnosis. And then she was like, oh, like, you know, initially I was going to cook breakfast for you, but you came later. Would you... Want to eat lunch with me? She's like, I cook in clay pots. I hope that's okay. I was like, Yeah, it's totally okay. <laughs> it sounds delicious. And she was like, I'm a vegetarian, but I'll make you an egg curry and like we can sit and eat that. And yeah, so we just got up and she went in the kitchen and like made me probably one of the best meals I've ever eaten in my life. Like <laughs> this completely authentic homemade egg curry that we ate with our hands because you know that's the tradition there. And we just sat and talked kind of like gossip. Like she was telling me about her personal life and drama that she had in her life. And she kind of talked a little bit about her family because I think I'd asked her, oh, like, you know, you say your mother does this. What has that been like? And she kind of told me that they read each other and that they've read each other hundreds of times through like tons and tons of lives. She said her father though, I thought this was interesting. She said her father doesn't believe in it at all. And whenever he talks to her, he's like, so how many people have you conned today? (laughs) Which I was like cracking up, but it sounds like she knows that that's how he is, and it's just a funny thing that they they talk about. But yeah, it was like we were like girlfriends, got a sleepover essentially at the afterwards, just chatting and talking. Like we didn't even really talk about what had happened. We just kind of talked about our lives, and I learned more about her. And yeah, we ate this delicious meal she made. I was I was shocked. Like I've never been like for a tarot reading and had somebody make me like a full meal after that. Like it just yeah. felt so intimate. Like I felt like I got to know her a little bit. Obviously she knew, I told her my whole entire life story the first time I like sat down and we had gone through this experience. So I felt like it was nice that she also shared something of herself. Cause I think there's also that remove that happens a lot of times when you have these experiences where, you know, you go and you're getting this stuff from people or, and you're kind of I to think of how to explain it, but it's like, I feel like you're getting something from them and you're giving them, like you're telling them things about you and they're learning details that maybe you don't share with people all the time, but you never really get a peek into their life and what they're about and what they're doing and just their day to day. And I felt like I got to know her. She was very open and told me a lot of stuff about her life and her experiences and even just like drama with, with her dating life, like things like that, that I, you know, you wouldn't think... That you would just sit there and be chatting about that but it felt very special
0: are you there a total of three hours or was the session three hours and then there was the meal on top of that
1: yeah the session was three hours and then there was the meal on top of that so I was probably there for like four and a half maybe five hours
0: damn Um, because like
1: she had to she had to actually cook it like it wasn't like she just like pulled something out and reheated it like I watched her cook everything and make the food and then we sat and talked and ate it and kind of like Chilled for a little bit. Like, I mean, she basically gave me almost half of her day.
0: (laughs) I feel like it's amazing for $45. Oh my God. After all of that, that's a lot to process for you. Did you have any post weird experiences, like weird dreams that night or any more crying jags or anything like that over the next few days?
1: I felt like very. Like, unburdened is the word that's coming to my mind. Almost like I didn't know I was carrying around all of this shit. And then I took it off. And so I didn't have any cry. Like, it wasn't anything like that. And actually, when I got back to the hotel that night, I wrote all of it down. Like, I was like, I need to, like, capture this before I forget it. And I don't know, I felt it just felt like this freedom and kind of gave me like a little bit of insight because I have always sort of been like, I don't understand why th- where these issues that I have come from. Like my parents have been married forever. My father is like the nicest man in the world. Like there's nothing in my childhood that I could really pinpoint to why I have these intimacy blocks. And so it kind of gave me this thing to be like, oh, well, yeah, this is the thing that happens to you. I could totally understand why you would behave in this way. And I really felt like it gave me a lot to think about, but it also freed me in a way. Like I felt less like constricted. Like I felt like I could relax a little bit and I felt just not as heavy anymore. Like there was a lightness that I hadn't ever known before around intimacy.
0: So it's been three years. Do you feel like it has helped you with intimacy in relationships?
1: It was more like, I think it helped me crack open a door that I wasn't, that I didn't really know I needed to open. And I don't know if I was ready to step through that door. I think now I'm at the point in my life where I'm stepping through that door, but I think it was like an important foundation. It Mm. gave me a little bit more of an awareness of the problem because like I said, when she asked me what I wanted to heal, like I honestly didn't know. It wasn't like I just launched into that. Like I had to sit there and think. And I'm like, well, if this is the thing that's coming up for me, then obviously it's a problem. So I felt like it was more like it showed me something that I might not have been as willing to see before.
0: It didn't just affect me in that lifetime. It's affecting me in this lifetime as well. And so that must be validating, right?
1: Oh yeah. It was extremely validating. And I think that to me was like worth, was worth the experience. Like it just, made me feel like it explained some things that I knew were problems, but that I kind of had like pushed in the back of my mind and it kind of like popped them to the front for a little bit. I felt like it started like a path that I might not have gotten on had I not, you know, had that, had that experience with her.
0: In the second one that I did, which was hypnotherapy, I cried the whole time, much like you, I was a blubbering mess, but mine was also remote, which was really weird. So she was doing it over the phone. So it really was like the the voice in the room, like you said, you know, it was just like, I'm in my bed and there's this lady in my ear. I almost wish that I got to stay with one life like you did. That quality over quantity thing. How long was each like life? Like how much time did you spend? So the one that I did with the hypnotherapist, that was a 90 minute session and she did something similar. This was in 2014. She did some prep stuff, you know, she was like relax, make sure you have water nearby and get settled and that kind of thing. She didn't do any reiki but then she kind of like like yours did led me into the past life regression mm-hmm. to the hypnosis part. I don't know how long each one was. A time didn't really make sense. Did you
1: Know that it was taking three hours. Like, did you feel like it was a long time? No, it felt like a second. Like that's why I was actually kind of surprised that I didn't get to do a second one because I was like, oh, I figure like when we're done with this, I'll go down another hallway. And then like you know, we looked at the clock, and I was like, oh god, <laughs> like the time is already up. The minute that she
0: put me at, like under, I started sobbing. We weren't even doing anything. Oh
1: like there was
0: no memory yet. There was, I don't know what she did maybe she opened my heart with some kind of energy work i'm not sure but i don't know what's going on <laughs> so i just kind of <laughs> went with it and you know i the ones that stood, stood out to me were um there were three one i was this rich lady with blonde hair and it was the 80s and i had big like uh like <laughs> poofy hair you know like the the spray what's the aquanet that shit yeah Really big. And, but it was done well. Cause I was rich. And then, um, I was, a te- I was a tennis player, meaning I didn't work. My husband made a lot of money and I just played tennis. <laughs> um, and my son was a drug addict and I was really upset about it. And my son was my best friend in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird to see this kid that is my son that looks totally different than my best friend, but I knew it was him.
1: Oh, I wanted to ask, did anybody seem familiar to you like that? No. So that's what I think is really interesting about yours. Like I didn't have anything like that with where I was like, you know, my family now was like, like nothing, but I also wasn't looking for it like at all. Like I feel like that wouldn't have even come into my consciousness and even now reflecting on it, I was like, who could that have been? Like, I'm like, was my father somebody in my life currently that is not a nice person? But no, I didn't feel any kind of familiarity in that way. Not to say that like, it wasn't there. It's just like, I didn't pick up on on that.
0: Yeah. Well, and you said her, her and her mother have done hundreds of these for each other. You'd probably at some point you've got to find somebody that's the same. Yeah, right. Like some kind no, of soul family or something. I definitely would like I would
1: love that's something I've always really wanted to explore more that I haven't like around that whole reincarnation piece is it's like, do we come back with the same people and loves and past like do they come back with us? like all of that. And I don't know, like, I don't know what I think about it. Like, I feel like I'm very open, but I don't know if I have an, an opinion. I'm also adopted. And so that's also interesting to me, like where I'm like, well, what does that mean? Biology versus who you were raised with? Like, Do you see biological people that come back in these lives with you? Or was I put in this family, in this life for like a specific reason? Like, right. There's so, so many questions. It's like, there's so much. Some of this has got to be
0: true. But then yeah. which of it is, you know, how do you know? I don't know. So for my second one that popped up, I was a man in war. I think it was Vietnam war and I had gotten seriously injured and this Vietnamese woman came and she saved me and she did not need to save me. I hated her. I had hate in my heart toward her and right off the bat, I was fighting, but if I fought her, I would have died. I was, I was going to die. And so she ignored my whatever I was saying and she took me and she brought me back to life. And I learned in that lifetime that 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 there aren't enemies, really. We're all connected. We're all one. And I fell in love with her and I think we had a child together. And for some reason, that life was very, very emotional for me because it was where I learned how to be a more loving person and how to see myself and other people. And because that, that person was the epitome of the enemy for me.
1: That's really powerful.
0: Um, just real quick. I'll, I'll tell you about the other one because it was different. I went to a native American shaman and she did a pretty quick one. I think it was 30 to 45 minutes somewhere in there. And this was what we thought it was going to be. Like she sat there. Oh, okay. She went into like a meditative state. I think I held a crystal maybe. And then I kind of calmed my nervous system down. And then she told me what she saw. And she was like, you and your mother, you're super, it was kind of rapid fire. Your mother and you are super close. You've been in multiple lifetimes together. You like to learn lessons from each other. You used to be brother and sister, and then you were sister and brother. You've been like every combination of siblings you can be. And now this lifetime, you wanted to be her daughter because you wanted to stop taking advantage of each other. You had been like power playing each other for the last couple of lifetimes. And I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting because I have kind of a Gilmore girls mom situation. I have a young mom and we, the line between like being a friend and being a mom was often blurred. So power plays happened a lot, you know, and it did often feel like she was my sibling. Maybe she was just conning me. I'm not sure, but it did feel like it could have truth to it.
1: Did you find that experience less powerful than the one where you kind of were feeling the things like did you have a preference I guess between the two
0: I felt that this one was much less powerful the second one I felt like this 100% happened to me like you said the other one I felt like this feels true I'm open to anything so sure sure That's how I felt, but after the second one, I was like, "Uh, "Okay, you know," I was like, "It was real." I think it would be interesting to do both. You could try someone like this and see how you feel about it. I'd, I'd be curious to hear.
1: Yeah, I've had like I've had a couple of psychics say things to me about past lives. It's never been like the whole reading, but like I have a huge fear. Like I don't like to drive. Like almost an irrational fear of driving I mean I do it because in LA you kind of have to yeah I was and a gonna psychic say. that I that I see regularly or that I used to see regularly one session she was like yeah in a past life you were in this terrible car accident like mm. awful car accident and she's like you didn't die but that's like where the fear from it comes and like to your point like the same thing where I was like well yeah that sounds like it could be true but because I didn't like feel that it it didn't really feel real. And I think another friend of mine had told me that a psychic had kind of rattled off a couple of like past life. Like they told her she had been murdered in a past life, like a couple of things like that. And she was like, yeah, I could see some of this stuff happening. But I think when you see that, not that I really want to go through down the rabbit hole of watching myself be murdered, but like there's (laughs) Why not? (laughs) There's like something about experiencing it that I think just makes it a little bit more real to you because you're really feeling like you're in that moment, as opposed to like me sitting across from somebody and they're just kind of like, so you did this and that and this and that. And like you said, it could make sense and it could be true, but you just don't have that same like emotional, like resonance with it. It feels more real when you're like,
0: okay, something in my brain brought this up for me
1: she and I had actually kind of talked a little bit about that when she was going over the hypnosis stuff with me. Like, you know, she was saying that, yeah, some people are just like, well, this is all fake. And she's like, well, your brain is bringing, like, this is coming from somewhere. Like you're not just, and it's true. I didn't feel like I wasn't saying anything to make her do something. Like there was no motive behind it. I was saying what I saw. Like there was nothing that felt like I was manipulating anything or that she was manipulating me. Like, it was like, this was all coming out of me. So it yeah. clearly came
0: from someplace. I don't have that, like, just marinating in the back of my mind.
1: No, me neither. Like, I've never even been to Bangladesh. And before yeah. that period, I'd never been to India. <laughs> like, it had to have been real in some sort of way because it definitely was not rehearsed. And especially the visual component of it too, for me, where I was like, I don't tend to like, makeup fantasy world you know worlds in my mind yeah like it felt like she was really pulling something from somewhere
0: thank you so much for taking the time to answer all of my questions
1: seriously no no, thank you thank you for sharing your experiences as well it was interesting to hear I've never I don't know anyone else who has had a past life regression that I've spoken to about it so that was really cool for me to hear as well
0: what is the most woo-woo, inexplicable, spooky experience you've ever had? In this case, I really want to know if it's this past life regression. And if it's not,
1: what was it? No, this is definitely the most woo-woo thing I've ever had happen. I've never done anything like it before that. And I haven't done anything like it since. And I think it would be really hard for me to top this, which is probably why I haven't tried <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because well, it was so it was powerful. When
0: did you move to LA? Five months. Like oh, that. yeah. You're going to top that woo experience. <laughs> it's going to happen. I don't know when, but I feel that it will happen. Not that it has to. That could be your, I mean, some people never have anything like that. So I don't mean to diminish it at all. But I think LA is just fertile for the woo.
1: I mean, I would love to top it because it was great. I'd love to have more experiences like that.
0: Well, that is all for this episode. If you have any specific questions about reincarnation or past life regressions, or you want to share your own unique experiences, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. I don't know about you, but this episode made me want to book a flight to India ASAP and book multiple sessions with this woman that Tara got to work with. I also want to let you know, if you're new to the past life regression reincarnation world and you're wanting to investigate it more but you don't quite know where to start, I would definitely recommend the book, Many Lives, Many Masters. So I'll put that information in the show notes. And again, remember, if you have questions, you can always reach out to me. I love to talk about this stuff. If I don't know the answer, we can research it together and it'll be super cute. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for following The Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow The Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a Woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, follow the woo.